Welcome to the 4A Music Podcast. I'm Charlie. I'm Alexandria. And I'm Amy. On this week's pod, Ed Sheeran threatens to quit music, the legacy of singer-songwriter Connie Converse, the Hollywood writer's strike ramps up new music and more. First off, what's new? What's on your mind, Charlie? Well, um, so a couple of things. First of all, I just wanted to mention that we chose our book club book for this next month. So it's going to be kind of through June and the beginning of, or no, through May and the beginning of July. What is time? So our book, our book, uh, our next book for the book club is The Inner Game of Tennis by Timothy Galloway. And this book is about kind of performance and like peak performance. And I think about this book a lot of like doing the thing you're trying to do in your head, like the thing you're thinking of, like actually doing it consistently. Um, and there, there's like a whole, there's kind of like become a whole series of books, like the inner game of blank or something. But the inner game of tennis is like the first book. And that kind of starts, it kind of sets the, the mold for that. So we're going to be reading that this week. I'm really excited, or this month. I'm really excited about it. And I'm really excited to talk about it with everybody and hang out. The, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The one of the things, I'm, uh, the things on my mind this week, though, is that uh, Logic and Final Cut are finally coming to the iPad, which is kind of a funny thing. Um, Crazy. That I'm like an iPad, I'm an iPad user and I've always thought like, oh, it'd be nice to be able to kind of use this for editing and stuff. It's like very mobile and like a touchscreen kind of thing. And it seems like Apple has kind of like always been against it because of like as iPads have gotten stronger and better and like more powerful, I think like Apple really hes- was hesitant to like put computer software on it so that people like stopped buying laptops or something and just like use their iPad for everything. Um, but it's kind of crazy. I was like reflecting back to like, I worked at Apple when the first iPad came out. Whoa. Oh my God. Do you have like, the original I'm... iPad? No, I think I like sold it to my aunt. <laughs> like eventually. Wow. Or whatever. I don't think she has. It. I'm sure it's in a landfill or something somewhere. But like, but it was, it was kind of crazy <laughs> when it first came out. Cause I hated the name. I thought it was going to be like iTablet. That's just kind of like what people were talking about. I think that would have been a cooler name, but iPad is. That's way cooler iPad is like a one syllable thing. So maybe that was like the vibe, but I tablet. Um, I'm bringing my iTablet. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, it's, it's kind of cool. So I haven't been able to play with any of this stuff yet, but it's, it's either released now or it's releasing soon. And there's one of the controversial things about this though, is there's, you can get like a one month trial, but then it's on a subscription model thing. So it's not like you buy the app and you have it. It's like oh. five bucks a month or something like that. Or you are you kidding me? I mean, this is how everything is going to be because, like, they get you. Yeah, I think like it's it's somewhere in between. Like, well, things are going to get updated all the time, and then it's like every year you just buy the new updated version of that, or you just subscribe to a thing, and then it's just constantly getting updated or whatever that is. And I mean, I I kind of get it. I mean, they can. This is like this the subscription bundle thing. That's just like everything's going to be this way. But yeah. people have kind of been a little bit annoyed. Like I, the the things I saw on the internet were basically just kind of like, oh, this is really cool. I was really excited about this until I saw that it was a subscription. And then I was not not as excited about it, but um, we'll see how it all rolls out over the next couple of months. I'm kind of interested in trying, at least kind of just trying it and seeing how it works on the, how those things work on the iPad. Like the processor that I have in my iPad is like stronger than most computers I've ever owned. Wow. So it's like, I think it's like, I think it's a legit thing, but we'll see how that goes. But that's kind you of connect. Well, uh, yeah. I had a question. Can you connect an external hard drive to a lap? or to uh, an iPad? So you can, like, um, so, like, the newer iPads have, like, USB-C uh, mm. ports on them. So, like, people will plug in, like, docks, like you would in, into, like, a laptop or something that, like, has, like, 
other things you can plug it into but you can yeah you can plug a us you can you can plug like a hard drive into it that's a little funky you can plug in interfaces into it interesting um, but yeah i don't it's going to be kind of i think how i will see how i would use those apps at least to begin with is like to like edit projects that i've like started on my computer or something or to or to because you know, like it would perhaps with. sync them yeah, I probably would like it. Probably could like sync over the cloud or something like you know, mm-hmm. just like things from Google Drive or something. But it will be interesting. It'll be interesting. I mean, like people have been recording on like GarageBand on their phone, right? That was the thing with the guitar player from the internet from that band, right? We Steve I think we, Lacey. Yeah, we talked about him a few weeks ago or months ago. Yeah. So. Wow. Interesting. It's kind of yeah. Interesting and nerdy. Eventually, logic on the iPhone or Final Cut on the iPhone. That'll be crazy. Um, yeah, a lot of new stuff. A lot of new stuff for Apple is going to be kind of released in the next couple of weeks because in June they do their kind of big developers conference where they usually talk about new software and stuff. So supposedly they're working on like augmented reality glasses or like kind of virtu- VR sort of glasses thing. So. It's all, wow. very, it's all very dorky and I know about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to say Charlie's a walking Apple product, mm. <laughs> but in the most kind way possible. Sure. In a very, I thought, I thought you, the other day you said I was a walking Apple store. <laughs> I think that's what I Maybe. I was like, yeah, Alexandria the other day said I'm like a walking Apple store. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> That's how they want it. But no, I, I know to describe people to Charlie, like they're like, I talk about Charlie all the time and I'm, they're like, oh, like, what's he like? And I said, um, if you ever look like, have you ever seen an Apple product like human version? That's Charlie. <laughs> That's kind of cool. There were like commercials like that where it was like Apple and PC and it was like the. <laughs> oh, yeah. The peoples. Yeah. Um, what's on your mind this week, Alexandria? Um, lots of things, but me, <laughs> lots of things. Coronation of King Charles. <laughs> but mainly, um, my friend Paul Cornish was in town and he's an amazing pianist. He just was in the APA composi- competition. It's um, like American Pianist Association. I don't forgot what the A is for the last day, but he like was top, I think three in that top four. And that's a big deal. Um, but we were talking about mostly um, humility and music and what that can look like, um, especially when it comes to social media. Like Amy has said last podcast, like the notice me times. And he's definitely one of those people that I would like to not mo- you know, kind of model my Instagram presence off of, which is like, sharing just like sharing just enough but like still having he talked about like still having privacy over like some of the things that you do Mm um like we're not able to control what people post about us but we're able to control like what we post like our stories don't necessarily always have to be about music it can be about like and over him he mostly posts like things about social justice and like building up communities and like then his posts, like I think he has like six posts. Most of them are just like, one of them's like a Christmas song. One of them's like his SpongeBob thing or like mostly hymns that he like plays or something. And like, I think he like every, every once in a while he like change out a post, um, like archive it and then post something new. Richard does that too. Yeah. Rich. <laughs> And I just kind of like that because it allows for you to have some sense of um, it's not like just it's not like you're using social media as like a notice me situation. You're like here, like you're providing a platform for something else or you're just like here's something cool and fun that I did. But it doesn't necessarily mean that um, this is all that I'm doing. Like if you look at his tagged posts, like he's touring literally with everyone it's kind of insane and how humble he is about it but yeah we talked yeah that was just an interesting conversation we have like other conversations about like um touring with other artists and then like but also managing your voice 
your individual voice and what your art is doing and what timing looks like for that. And we also talked about spirituality and music and how those are intertwined for both of us. So it was just like a great conversation. And he's just such a great human. And it's nice to see someone like that be doing so well, to be doing well. Yeah. Yeah, That was a lot. But (laughs) that's what we talked about. It was cool to see someone who has like some really awesome success, who is like so grounded and calm. I only met him for like two or three minutes but just what alexandria said about him it's cool yeah it was fun amy and i went to the blue note he was playing with alex isley we had to let me not say anyways blue note wasn't treating us the best that night but uh paul saved the day (laughs) yeah (laughs) anyways we weren't lying we really were on the list (laughs) what (laughs) anyways amy how was your week what was on your mind this week oh um i finally uploaded my my single to distro kid um it's been a very long process of like different recording days and like um piecing it together i had an issue with like (laughs) this buzzing sound that was really making me upset so I was trying to like denoise it and then I was sick of that so I just re-recorded it a lot of that type of thing so there was some drama with the process but it's done and I actually thought a lot about Rick Rubin and what he said in that book that we read through the process because it really is like a release in terms of how it feels but also in terms of what he talks about uh, he calls it detach detaching yourself um, I had to practice that because it was getting into the nitty gritty where I would listen to it once and be like, this is not ready. It sounds like, and then 30 minutes later, I was like, oh, it's done. So that's a weird thing. Like the more you listen to something, I find like the less I'm able to really have deciphering ears, but it's uploaded and it comes out on May 24th on all streaming services. And what's the name of it? Oh, it's called Assumptions. I'm actually very excited too, because this is the first single that I'm releasing that has like um, a live aspect that includes other musicians. So I've either like played for myself or it's been, yeah, this was like the first time that I, I have like piano and drums played live together. And then I had bass do a take and then the vocals obviously were like a separate endeavor but i'm really excited and my sister did the cover art and my brother produced it so it's a family affair yeah. <laughs> it's very exciting we'll hear more about that i think in the the next couple of weeks as we're getting Yay. closer to release right yes because can i say the other thing too yeah um because i'm releasing it under the 4a music record label I don't know if I said that right, but I'm really excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. No, it's it's very exciting. It's yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and more info on that too. I think coming mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. Yay! Great. Should we jump into the newsletter? Yes. Oh, I'm first. Oh, <laughs> I'm not so excited. <laughs> Just got to get my Skittles in. <laughs> you know, blood sugar is low. <laughs> Anyways, so my, my A this week is who is Connie Converse? Okay, I don't know. I didn't know who Connie Converse was until... I read this article in the New York Times and everyone should read this article in the New York Times because she writes great music that I did not know about. So she um, she kind of has this mystery behind her. Um, she kind of just disappeared. She like m- moved away from New York, 
moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and she was like editing for a newspaper or something like that. And I think she like wrote a bunch of goodbye letters, which is the dark part about it, and kind of just like got in her. They said she had a Volkswagen, so they she got in her Volkswagen. She kind of drove away, but she left behind this like plethora of like scrapbooks and diaries and even music. Um, so in this New York Times article, they first talked about her introduction, which was um, there was um, a radio station in New York at the time that played one of her tunes. And a NYU student, I think his name, Dan Zula, heard it and was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is great. I have to find out more about this. So he went into the archives and he like played it for his friend and his friend started crying. So he's like, I really have to dig into this woman's music, which eventually turned into a compilation album called How Sad, How Lovely, which is actually one of the, the tunes that she sings. And it's great. If you haven't checked out the record, you should. It's kind of like they're not sophisticated. They're not recorded in like a sophisticated manner. Um, some of them are like self-recorded, like there are demos for herself. Like, oh yeah, this is how this song goes. And and it's interesting because on some of the other tunes, you can hear like in the background her friend saying, "Oh yeah, you should play this song." She's like, mm, "I don't think I can play that one yet." Wow. But um. Maybe let's try right now. And then she'll like play the song and it's like really beautiful, of course. Oh my God. Um, uh, Ellen Steckert, which I found really interesting, she said, who's a singer, folk music scholar, and song collector, referred to Converse as the female version of Bob Dylan. She was even better than him as a lyricist and a composer, but she didn't have the showbiz savvy and she wasn't interested in writing protest songs, which I thought was interesting. A lot of people in the comments I read were not happy with the, the comparison to Bob Dylan because they're like two different artists. But I think this she does serve as like kind of a predated singer songwriter type that was getting more into like the lyrics and in a in a different way that we had before, um, and using metaphors and writing mostly about nature, but it's not really about nature, it's about life. Uh, those sensitive things, but I'd suggest checking out the article. They, like, go through the different um, neighborhoods she lived in and, like, what she did in each apartment because she was oddly very... Um, she recorded and journaled about most everything that she was doing at the time, which I, th I think that's so cool. Like, most people who kind of leave us kind of early, they also have this super documented things of their life so yeah that's connie converse that's so cool the journal entry is cool to me i like journaling <laughs> i was thinking the other day though i was like you think i'll burn these later because <laughs> leaving them feels so vulnerable like that's such a vulnerable thing yeah but that's cool yeah as you're talking about that it made me think of the um another rick rubin thing where he's like i mean i've been bringing this up since we kind of finished that book which was this idea like that artists make artifacts. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about like all these, uh, all these scrapbooks and diaries and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of like, um, if you hadn't done, if she hadn't done that, then it would just been like, she would have been one of the probably thousands of artists or something that are just kind of lost to time. Yeah. They don't have those artifacts. Uh, it, it obviously connects to like the Austin Cleon, like show your work thing too, you know, just like, um, like reflecting on things and everything. I just want, yeah, like, I wonder all of our stuff are like in like phone memos, right? Like <laughs> yeah. memos on our phone or whatever. It's like, once our phone dies, like that's all going to just be in the cloud. Not going to be able to find that in like a, in like a drawer somewhere. I don't think. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. They did find like a lot of these things in drawers or like little chests that she kept. You know, did your like parents ever have like treasure chests? Mm -hmm. My parents always talked about having these chests that they would take with them to college and it would have like all their right. memories in it. I hope I wish we could bring that back. We could. We could put stuff on flash drives. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But like, have you considered the flash drive? <laughs> But then you need a, you anyway. I don't know. And then you, like we're changing USB-C. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, yeah. you need an adapter. Like just having the physical 
copy of it, but she, I listened to a a good portion of the record. There are a ton of tunes on there, but the the writing is great. And this, she's like not the best singer, but the lyrics just captivate you right away. And like the raw and and pureness of her sound, um, I think it's very refreshing to hear. Yeah, maybe that's the Bob Dylan like connection or something where it's like songs are great singing is kind of weird <laughs> i've got asked that question way too many times people are always like so do you like bob dylan singing like as a singer and i'm always like um yeah uh, i don't know do you like it i get too clouded by the artistry mm. these days i can accept most anything unless it's just like really bad <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah. Um, well, very cool. Um, should we move on to A number two? Yeah, let's do it, Charlie. Okay, cool. So uh, this week, Ed Sheeran said that he would quit music. Well, actually, it was kind of like last week or something. Ed Sheeran said he would quit music if he was found liable in a recent plagiarism lawsuit. Um, what's kind of interesting is like the more you kind of dug into this, I think initially it was just kind of like, well, uh, I don't know, like, Aren't, don't all pop songs just kind of sound the same or whatever? I mean, and there's been like famous um, lawsuits recently where like with, um, I don't know if it was like Adele and and Tom Petty or something, or just like a lot of these kind of like pops, pop songs or something are, are kind of like similar-ish in certain ways. Uh, but but um, this lawsuit was about two songs, Ed Sheeran's 2014 song, Thinking Out Loud, and Marvin Gaye's uh, like anthem to getting it on, let's get it on. <laughs> like in every movie, like montage where it's like go slow mo and like there's someone weird being like, let's get it on. <laughs> um, but what's kind of interesting about it is that it's actually not Marvin Gaye's estate that that sued Ed Sheeran. It was actually the heirs of the Ed Townsend estate who's the credited as like a co-writer for that song mm. so it wasn't even like the marvin gay thing so it's kind of interesting in the trial they actually couldn't even play the marvin gay version of let's get it on because there's different copyrights for like the sheet music which is which is like what what the ed townsend like copyright thing is about like the sheet music versus like the recording of it there's like oh the, my god uh, and stuff so Apparently in the trial, they were hearing like robot versions of, of like, let's oh, get it good on. Lord. Because like what a lot of people have said is, uh, well, so fast forward a few days and Ed Sheeran won the, Ed Sheeran won this lawsuit and he did not quit music. Um, but <laughs> a lot of people are upset about this. There's um, a really interesting opinion article in the Washington Post that called this lawsuit a threat to Western civilization, equating the, the, these Townsend heirs allegations to arguing that a painter could own a, the copyright of a particular shade of red or something like that. Like they said that basically the Townsend thing was like the four chords that are like really common four chord progression for, in a bunch of music, but in particularly in pop music. And then just kind of like the vibes of it, that it was like a love song or something like this was kind of what it was on. So the the judge threw it out, uh, you know, threw the case out or, or, or sided on the side of Ed, Ed Sheeran um, saying that the plaintiffs, this is the the Ed Townsend, the let's get it on side, needed to prove that the combination of these elements, um, the selection and arrangement, which was original enough to warrant protection in general, uh, courts place a high bar on this on this on these kind of claims so ultimately the jury decided that thinking out loud was created independently and never addressed whether those aspects of let it get, let's get it on were protected um yeah but basically the judge said that these elements were so generic that um they're just not protected by copyright but there's like a it's like so, style right yeah it's like it's all this stuff it's like oh there's this like there's like a little bit of like a tempo or groove and then the chords or whatever. And like, if you listen to the both, you could be like, yeah, these are similar vibes or something, but they're similar vibes because they're about similar things, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think there's, 
I think there's a couple things about this. So um, I think it's problematic that this happened, not just because, I mean, even if, even, even though they, the case lost, there's like a trolling thing about this that happens that like a lot of, there are certain companies that are built just to do this where they'll like sue for copyright just because it's expensive to like get a lawyer and like mounted defense against these things. So a lot of these, a lot of these kinds of cases, um, uh, settle out of court for like a certain amount of money. So like Ed, Ed Townsend's like, uh, estate or whatever could like hear one of your songs, Amy or something like could hear your new single and be like, that sounds like a, that sounds like a Marvin Gaye song. We're going to sue you. And then you're like, oh my God, what do I do? And then you go start to talk to the lawyer and they're like, listen, it, it'd be cheaper for you to just settle and just pay them like $10,000 or something and like give them a certain thing. That's going to be cheaper than like hiring me to put in hundreds of hours to mount a defense against this. And so then that's how they like troll people out of, oh my gosh. Out of money. Wow. This, happened a, this happened before with Happy Birthday. Are oh you serious? Goodness. That's so, in like, the public this, domain, is it not? Now it is, but oh. it wasn't forever. And it was because like this one person or small company or something owned the sheet music, like the they like the original sheet music to Happy Birthday. Oh and God. so that's why this that's why this this TV wonder, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. That's why there's that song. And that's why there's like the Beatles version of Happy Birthday. And that's why like on TV shows, they couldn't sing Happy Birthday. Oh my gosh. Like forever because like they would get sued. Um, it just is so dumb. It's like all this is so dumb. And I love Stevie's Happy Birthday. Yeah. You know, it, it rocks. Um, I mean, the Beatles Happy Birthday thing is cool too. It's like, they say it's your birthday. But I was thinking about this, like what if someone in the, 20s or something had copyrighted the 12 bar blues oh my God. and then like i mean that would have just choked off like you know <laughs> 80 years of american music because it's like no i'm gonna copyright these four core these three chords oh played in this specific organization and it's like you could imagine a world um, like in modern days where like someone would try to do that but that's like i feel like you're not you can't copyright form right nowadays you can't copyright like i think that's the one thing like chord progressions is something that you cannot because that would copyright, like right right that's the whole backbone of music to me is like invention and reinvention and like but the, like all the contrafacts would just be yeah sol right yeah no but i mean basically this this um so like what they were they suing about was a chord progression and a syncopated rhythm pattern oh brother abc and and twinkle twinkle little star the same dang song Happy. yeah <laughs> yeah i mean and there's like, another one i think i i get it like i get it if someone if someone says like if someone just like rips off your song right yeah and it's like that's a different thing then like oh it has the same chord progression or the same <laughs> the same syncopated rhythm pattern or whatever i mean even like melodic chunks or something i i think people have different takes on all this kind of stuff but like for me i, I my personal philosophy is like i have the most i i kind of hate i generally hate copyright law like i think it's stifling <laughs> for creativity and i i think it's better to just I think it would be better to not have it than to have it. <laughs> like mm. I personally do. Like I, I, I think like I think there are some obvious things where it's like this is the song. There's me. There's a recording of me singing the song on this date. Then someone right. else puts out the same song and says it's theirs, and it's like no, I have this. You know, that's to me. It's like I would have a really really high bar for like what could be what could constitute copyright stuff, and I think like. I think the burden should be on the person who's like claiming that something is copyrighted. I think the burden should be on them to like prove it and like the cost should be on them to prove it. You know, I mm -hmm. like, I think it should be a gamble on their side because like I, right now it's like, it's a, it's, 
the whole thing is like if you have lawyers and you're willing to like go for it like like i said you can like troll people really hard yeah i do think that one the other marvin gay with robin thick and pharrell right i think that i don't know it's like that's a blurt wow <gasps> Blurred line. What are you gonna say? Yeah. Blurred line. That's the song that's the song. SOL'd by copyright law. Um, but I think it's like like I fully thought it was a Marvin Gaye song when Hmm. it started playing, but other people didn't. So like it's all subjective too. Like it's really hard to determine whether or not someone actually like it's like maybe. Ed Sheeran was like, you know, digging some let's get it on. <laughs> and like it just came out in his writing because he just heard it so many times. Like maybe that chord progression or he heard it in another tune and like just came out naturally. It's it's okay for your influences to come out naturally in your music. Yeah. Right. But so it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to tie it to whoever originated it first. I mean, sometimes, yeah, paying homage to like, Hey, bro, like, I kind of, like, copped this. Like, if it's, like, obviously copped, you know what I mean? Then be like, hey, bro, like, thank you for this. (laughs) Which I guess it, like, makes it make a little more sense why people of that vintage would would say, like, oh, well, we made that. Because, like, I feel like if you are the one of the first artists to make sounds like that, maybe you would feel, well, it's mine. But that's not how music works. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it, like a, no one can claim that they like are the alpha it. and omega of this. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like yeah. I, I invented that whole thing. <laughs> it's like, and Imagine Louis Armstrong that, comes back. He's like, I invented yeah. this. I can prove like, what's your favorite song that Louis Armstrong wrote? <laughs> right? And it's just but it's like, you know, it's I don't know. It's everybody's doing this, you know? Everybody's like taking yeah. from the last person and adding and adding a Lego piece or whatever that is. And it's like, I think we should just acknowledge that, that that's kind of mostly what it is. And I, there's maybe some small versions of that. I mean, like there was a the thing with the new Beyonce album, right? Where oh yeah, um, she went out of her way to like credit somebody and like that ended up being, mm-hmm. that ended up also being controversial or something because they were like, how dare you credit me on that or something? It's just like, I wasn't involved. It's like, okay, cool. Like no one can win with this stuff. I remember that. Well, I forgot. Yeah. We, I think we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. yeah we talked about it on the podcast. And it's like, it, I think, a, I think a lot of this stuff kind of plays at, at these levels where the money is significant, you know, like significant amounts of money. It's like if Pharrell does a thing, it's like, obviously it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of money involved or whatever, but I, you know, if there is copy, it, like if we, if in the future, it's like, and we all, if, if it was like up to me and it's like, okay, there's a copyright thing. I would make it like pretty short. I would make it like a pretty short thing. You know, like, I don't think it, I, this, this thing that came out in the sixties, that's like the air of this person or whatever, like suing for this. I don't, I just don't think that's the vibe. Like, I think that we should, I think we should do it a little bit more like patents, which are like a little bit shorter, you know, like shorter time periods and stuff. Mm. It kind of nods to the whole like scene of, um, putting out posthumous work without the artist consent or like those yeah. duo albums that are like engineered after or whatever. Like right. it's kind of giving me those vibes, you know? Yeah. like It's like, happens. would they even have cared? Like you think Marvin Gaye cares? But we wouldn't have Connie care? Converse. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's tricky. I, I mean, like, it, um, who isn't there's there are classical composers too like i i think um uh who am i thinking of there's a uh, like charles ives is kind of like this a little bit right where it's like his music only really started to get played or became famous like mm. after he died yeah. So, um, yeah i guess it's only an issue if the artist has said like hey don't do that please <laughs> right but it's like uh, yeah i don't know it's just it's it's kind of an interesting. I think it's like an important conversation that we should all have. Like, how what what yeah. world do we want to live in, and like what's what's a balance that that like encourages creativity and the creation of new things, but also like allows people to have livelihoods and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, you know? And and um, 
and gives people credit for for the work that they did and their ideas like it's not that i'm against that it's just that i'm kind of against like the way that this is uh acted within like a punitive way like through through the law or like through the courts or whatever that is yeah tisk 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 anyways let's let's i mean kind of related to this though Amy, I was just gonna uh, say your next A is is kind of in this wheelhouse. What what was what was your A this week? Well, speaking of livelihoods, um, this A is starts um addressing the the Hollywood strike, the Hollywood writers strike that's going on, um, which is just the writers wanting fair compensation. And little little old me didn't actually realize that writers did not make um a lot of money I, to me i would think that writers would make the most bread if they're like literally crafting these shows and concepts and stuff like this like to me the writer is like the like the artist or the songwriter in a way which is where this a ends up going is to songwriting because um michelle lewis is a songwriter and alexandria shared this article with me the this rolling stone article um that just address the fact that songwriters um, can't necessarily strike because um, Michelle Lewis says it best in that it would take an actual reform of the streaming economy in order to like assist people in making a living or like making um, fair compensation. Um, and I, I liked this article too, though, because it did bring up that there have been some victories as well um in terms of like they they bring up the music monetization act um and just different things that ha have protected songwriters and sort of pointed out like hey you know people should be paid <laughs> for their art and their work <laughs> it to me it's like very straightforward like i guess fair compensation is like is something to debate because it depends, but there definitely are like, I think pretty clear lines. And it, to me, it's like clearer when it is in under like a company, which I guess is like, it reminds me of capitalism in a way where it's like, not everything makes a lot of sense where like someone like a company say is making like a huge sum. And then the writers have to go on strike because they can't make, fair pay like to me that's like so clear that something is wrong um but yeah it's it's interesting to think about too as an artist at the beginning of the career and like looking forward to different opportunities and like how to make a living and all of these rights and um things in the arts yeah it's hard I think we a lot of the time whenever we get into music we get so wrapped up in the music that we forget that it's also business it's and it's probably one of the largest business ventures out there um and I don't think we've like really flushed it out yet especially with something as new as streaming which came out what early 2000s right so we're still flushing out what that that means and what that looks like and are we really going to be capitalists about it or are we going to be a little bit more fair about in terms of what that looks like for um other people working on the project i know nothing about hollywood um but if it's it's i'm glad that they are able to have a union behind them that allows them to strike and allows them to call for rights call you know um and perhaps pr promote some change and i think i'm not sure if the songwriters have unions besides like that's specific for them um which i think might be beneficial in a way because then they would have some type of um procedure in place for them to be able to really promote change because right now it just seems like they're stuck but yes, yeah. yeah, so pause for a second. So we just had a little technical difficulty, but we're back. <laughs> we're back. We're back. Alexandria, continue your thoughts. So songwriting union, like having something in place for us to actually promote change and promote 
um, a value. No, I hate placing value on people's art, but placing more value in what the songwriter has to offer. Um, and I think I was saying before, like, if we asked people to strike, like songwriters to strike, it would be kind of crazy. Because then that's like asking every musician ever to stop writing music. And like, I was saying, like, um, it would be interesting to see how it would it would work if every songwriter or musician stopped playing music and like had all their music taken off of streaming platforms. Would people really appreciate music then or appreciate art then? But that's a different can of words. Or would AI take over? No, I'm just kidding. I don't <laughs> even want to say that. <laughs> no. I hate that. No, you're right. It's not hard though. They could just make why like a minimum wage exists. Child labor laws exist. Like I feel like it's not um that hard, but you'd want musicians to be a part of it is the other thing that's a little scary. Like you'd want musicians to be the voice of the rules. Yeah. And then, but it's then like if you're a instrumentalist but also you sing but also you're a songwriter do you sign three like can you sign with three different unions do you have to choose a union so i understand how it can be murky a little bit but i think if your primary like situation is happening then maybe that's the union you should be a part of but they don't even have a songwriting union so what am i saying but create one but if you're out there union, like wait my dad is what I'm confused. I mean, unions used to be more of a thing, but there are yeah. there are like unions like in New York for certain like things. Like for gigs and stuff. Or like uh, Broadway. Broadway, music. true. They they have unions and there was all that stuff where like Th Thelonious Monk lost his union card or something for a year. Yeah. He didn't play or record or anything for like a year because it was yeah. like he got in trouble or something. But um, I mean, we do have like ASCAP, BMI, those sort of like lobbying yeah organizations but yeah it's a little bit of a different thing um it, it's kind of yeah the the writer strike thing too is i think also interesting for us or there's parallels for us because some of the things that they're most interested in or some of the things that like that they're kind of hung up on right now are the use of amy's favorite thing ai in like writing in writing stuff but also just kind of like what the compensation is for streaming services which is just it's just kind of like totally where where we're at too with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I saw this epic TikTok of Taylor Tomlinson who was like, you know what? It's funny that studios are considering AI writers because you know what I think an a, a computer could do really well? An executive's job. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, all they do is look at what worked and what didn't work and decide if they want to take a risk, which they usually don't. <laughs> it was so <laughs> savage. It was like awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, wow. They just go to meetings and like say buzzwords like this has synergy or <laughs> profits are good. Um, well, well, that's that's the main bit of our newsletter this week. Let's talk about some new music that's coming out that has not mm -hmm. we've not strike. We've not gone on strike yet. People are still making new music. Um, the first thing on our list from, from this week is the new album from London based singer songwriter, Jesse Ware. Uh, this is a, this is a dance album. I don't know if the two of you have checked this out before, but, or, or yet, but, um, I was not very, I was not very like dancey mood this week, but I was like, <laughs> I put it on while I was in the shower and I was like, okay, I'm getting pumped for the day. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, string string arrangements, courses of voices, very winking lyrics, um, some rapping, there's a lot of brass. It's just a, this is like a great um, album, I think, for like getting ready or like getting ready to go out or something like that, or just like having a party. Um, uh, Jesse said, I wanted it to feel free. And I think that was indicative of how I was feeling. This record was about celebration and joy. I wanted it to feel like the sexiest slap around the face, which I think. Well said. I don't know if that's like a British thing. Slap around the face. Probably, <laughs> right? To the face. I don't know if to call some British friends, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. Fun album. New. It's, it's brand new. It's called that exclamation point. Feels good. Exclamation point. <laughs> um, that feels 
good. That feels good. It's out now. <laughs> Love it. Check it out. Woo-hoo. I think I go next. Um, so Baby Rose, which I was not hip to them, put out their second album and it's called Through and Through. Um, I found this through Pitchfork. Thanks to Charlie for having me to Pitchfork. They release new stuffs too. Um, and I really love her voice. It's so nice. It's not like the typical, like, oh my God, blah, blah, ah. you know, it's like, wow, but like really nice, you know, like, sm- you know, that low, sensual yet rawness that's like so provoking. I'm just like, yes, give me more. But <laughs> artistry. <laughs> I think Pitchfork gave it a 7.6 or something like that, which is good for Pitchfork, right, Charlie? Yeah. Yeah. Anything above yeah. seven. Okay, so it got above a seven, and Pitchfork says that the release lives in a swimmy non-existence of lost futures, mm. lifetimes loved only in hope and projection, crushes that never manifested into relationships, and loves that never materialized into babies. I love that one. Um, wow. So please check out the record. It's kind of got like that old soul feel to it. Um and it's got some, you know, nice stuffs going on. And then the other record album, I don't know what the difference between them are, album release situation <laughs> is actually from this. I guess he's like trying to steer this article said he's trying to steer away from his like teen pop icon situation. Um, but my friend actually sent me this song. He was like, I don't like where the drums come in. And I was like, this sounds actually really nice. What's this album? (laughs) (laughs) And this is guy, Ryan Beatty. And he released this third studio album called Calico. Yes. That is also the name of a cat. Um, and according to his liner notes, um, his unhurried songs are still peelingly fluid, liable to glide into unexpected but elegant turns, but they largely unfurl on guitars and pianos, enriched but never overwhelmed by a visceral tug of strings or a soft hum of electronics. So that just means there are guitar, there's guitar, piano, strings, and some electronics in the music. Incredible. Um, but actually, <laughs> <laughs> overwhelmed by a visceral tug of strings. <laughs> But I actually really like the album. It's like a nice going on a walk on a sunny day album. So, and it's like easy listening. I hate that word, but it's like it is actually easy, easy listening, nice pop melodies. Approachable. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Kind of have like for your Friday this week, we kind of have like all your different moods for your Friday. It's like you're chilling out during the day, you're getting ready to go out, you go out, you come home, you want to put on something saucy. Exactly. Um, I also wanted to shout out this week to one of my students at Berkeley. I put out a single this week. Uh, Her her name is uh, Signa Levin. She's from Switzerland. Or no, she's from Sweden. God, I knew I was going to get that wrong. She's probably, if she's listening to this, she's so upset at me. Um, (laughs) Over the course of this year, she's a great singer-songwriter. Over the course of this year, she's been trying to teach me some like random little Swedish phrases. And mostly what I do is just say names of Ikea furniture. And I'm like, oh my God. It's like, Schlorg, Florgen. And she's like, I, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Signa has a, an awesome new single out this week called Into the Sand that I, I should check out too. Support our, support our independent musicians. Yes. Um, so that's the, speaking of independent musicians, our extra credit this week was that I, I kind of um, was digging on Tiny Habits, which is a, another group that's kind of like from the Berkeley ecosystem. But um, I've been, kind of, I just like have been stumbling upon some like really cool random videos of theirs on YouTube that are just like all awesome. And I've become like a really big fan of them. And I saw their, they just had, they just uh, were on the Tiny Desk con- concert of, um, of uh lizzie mcalpine Lizzie McAlpine, yeah so good she's a really cool like just like stripped down just like vocals and acoustic guitar tiny desk concerts like one like those are my favorite kinds of tiny desk concerts where it's just like yeah it's just like chill vibes i heard lizzie this week um 
a week ago. Oh. But Tiny Habits wasn't there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was hoping. Yeah, he's on tour and stuff, I think. Lizzie McAlpine's on tour. So there's lots yeah. of Yeah. Wow, yep. I forgot about that. A little video of, of them as our extra credit this week. But yeah, that's Ooh. the newsletter this week. I think like I think the newsletter kicks butt this week. So you should definitely check it out. Check um, it. Check it. Amy, do you want to read us out? I would love to. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for supporting 4A Music. Remember to like and subscribe and leave us a review because we'll promote you on our podcast. Um, for more, follow us on sorry, Instagram, Twitter. I forgot what social media was. <laughs> yeah, I just for, for a second it's like it's like you know, like you're kind of like using a guide to read, but then you like know the information, but your brain forgets that you actually do know the words so follow us on instagram twitter and tiktok everybody it's at 4a music and please subscribe to our newsletter at 4a music.substack.com and check out our website at 4a music.com alex do we have a quote this week yeah we definitely do have a quote this week do we have a quote yeah. are, we, yeah. are we stalling no <laughs> no <laughs> it's called the ship has sailed the ship it's true the school year yeah oh, that baby so it says john legend john legend. sailed amy's single has sailed yay she sent it out of the port I now did. it's out there to do its thing it's terrifying okay we think you're all super we'll see you next week bye goodbye We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. Charlie in the house.